You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. All right, welcome to another episode of the DIY Recording Guys podcast. I'm Vadim from Calm Frog Recording. I'm Ben from Dreamwild Studio. I'm very excited to get into this episode today, Vadim. What is it? What are we doing? We're going to do part two of the deep dive into music theory. Part one was a little bit uh, rough around the edges, I think. You know, we got into the, the simple things, the boring things, but today we're going to get into much more interesting things and we're going to talk about skill degrees modes chord progressions and more importantly how you can use some of these theory ideas to make your music sound better and uh, help your productions that's the goal right right this is not one of those things where you just watch baking videos just because you <laughs> like the uh, the foley that goes into them. We're actually trying to yes. give you guys some practical tips and tricks here to help your songwriting, help your maybe improvisational skills if you're trying to come up with solos. And really, the way I look at this is just a, it's a tool to help get you out of jams, right? If you're stuck creatively, you don't know what to do, yes. you have two chords and you don't know what the third chord should be, these are the little tips that can get you out of those types of jams. Yes, absolutely. So should we dive right in? So what, part, part two out of 12? Is that right? Is that what you said before we started recording? <laughs> we'll see how far we get. I think this is the, <laughs> um, I think this episode is going to be the extent of my drum or not drum, but my um, music theory knowledge. So we're going to go to the, go to the edge of the visible known universe and then we'll pull back from there a little bit and, and you can ask me any <laughs> questions along the way. So, <laughs> oh, we got a little delay. <laughs> so I forgot yeah, we got a little bit of a delay, but I was going to say you're, you're definitely better versed in this, I think, than I am. I just know enough to be dangerous. Uh, so, yes, I'm looking forward to asking you questions and learning a bit myself. Where do you, uh, <laughs> you want to start here today? So yeah, one one quick thing before we dive into this. So I mentioned in the last episode where we talked about, you know, music theory part one, that I learned a lot of a lot of this stuff that I'm going to talk about today. I learned when I was really young because my mom was a piano teacher, but I felt like the way I was taught was in very much like a memorization way. So it was hard for me to understand the why of music theory, which is kind of really important to me. It's a way that I learn things really well. I'm I'm very hands-on. I've got an engineering mind just like Vadim does. So I like to understand how things work. So it took me a lot of time and in, into my adult life until I started making connections between, well, this is why scale is the way it is. And this is how it relates to chord progressions or why um, key signatures work the way that they do and all the various things they're related. So I just wanted to mention that because it was a little bit tricky to figure out what should we talk about first and what, what helps to build on to other concepts so we could talk about other things. So it might be a little bit rough mm. when we jump from thing to thing. So, uh, when you're listening to this, just glean what you can from the information. And I think it's more important to 
grab some cool ideas and run with them. And maybe if I say something that, uh, or Vadim says something that sparks your interest, go and do some more deep diving on that on the internet. You know, YouTube or Google, great resources for for these things. I'm just going to touch on them briefly. And this is meant to be like a, um, you know, a buffet of information. So take what you can and and leave what's not interesting to you. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, like you said, Vadim, this is music theory is a way to get you out of a jam. And I like to think of it that way, mm -hmm. too. So all that being said, the first thing I want to talk about today is skill degrees. I, th I think when we left off with part one, I could bring it up. But if, I think if my memory serves me correctly, we ended with a major scale. We were talking about scales. And the last thing we talked about was a major scale and what what that means. So mm -hmm. um, let's just talk about, you know, we already discussed the scale, but for review, uh, a major scale or a minor scale in Western music is seven different notes that we've determined in Western music. Um, it's it's different intervals of the possible 13 steps in the chromatic scale to get to an octave, which is just the doubling of a frequency. So a major scale is picking seven of those intervals and it's not randomly picked. It's that specific pattern of whole, whole half as far as steps up a fretboard or half steps up a piano key. Yeah. Basically if you, if you picture a note and then you mentioned this on part one, that yeah. note has some fundamental frequency. So let's say 500 Hertz, that's an A. If you were to double that frequency, a thousand Hertz is also an A. It's the next right. A octave wow, up. Blurry. And so what you're saying is between that, between those two A's in Western yes. music, we've decided that there are 12 uh discrete intervals. So we can there's yes. there's kind of there's there's 12 steps in between those two A's and a scale, a major scale, minor scale, we're picking seven of those steps. So we're kind of you think yes. you even use hopscotch example at some point so yes <laughs> we are defining the steps on which we're jumping to get from one a to the next a an octave up and depending as you're going to get into now i assume depending mm -hmm. on uh what we choose we might either have a major tonality or minor tonality and so on so yeah go on very true let's see if you can hear this can you hear my guitar oh, yeah. is that coming through awesome so i can actually yeah. play exactly what you were describing so I will play a chromatic scale where I play each of the steps starting on an A going to an A. So let's do that real quick. Okay. So we have A, B flat, B, C, D flat, D, E flat, E, F, G flat, G, A flat, A. So you can hear all that sounds. That's not a, I mean, it is a scale, but it's not a musical scale. It's, it's very, um, mechanical, but a oh, major so call scale, the chromatic scale. So you're, you're playing exactly. all the steps. Exactly. Like all 12. Yeah. So a major scale is doing that pattern. We talked about whole, 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 half, whole, whole, half, I believe is the steps. And whenever I say whole versus half step, um, a whole step is, uh, going two half steps and a half step is just a, a single step. So whole step is skipping the next step in the scale, um, chromatic scale. 
and then a half step is the very next step up uh in right so on a guitar a half step is just one fret to the next fret a whole step is you skip a fret exactly thank you okay so i'll play a major scale for us real quick and you guys this will probably sound familiar to you so this is an a major scale sounds very happy awesome so each one of these uh each one of these steps notes that i play we call that a different degree of the scale starting with the first degree which is called the tonic or the root note of the scale all the way up to the octave tonic which is just the beginning of it's it's the scale starting all over again but but doubling the frequency so um i'll just go through this real quick because they obviously weren't that important to me i know i learned these whenever i was a kid the names of all of these it's just interesting to know but not not helpful for music creation but we'll go through each uh skill degree and and what they mean and what the purpose of them is so the first i mentioned is the tonic or the root note the second degree of the scale and this is a major scale we're talking about um is the supertonic the third is the mediant so the third is important because that determines if your scalar chord is a major or minor chord and i'll show the difference whenever we get to a um, minor chord the fourth is the subdominant you'll often hear that called the perfect fourth the fifth is the dominant uh, or perfect fifth you can have a augmented fifth as well, which is one half step up from that fifth. Or you could have a diminished fifth, which is a half step down from that. So let me play let me play that relation to the root note again, because it's hard to hear just whenever I'm playing individual notes. So if this is my tonic root note for an A major scale, starting on A, that dominant note, fifth degree of the scale, is here. So A, E. If I play an augmented, which is one half step up from that perfect fifth, we get that sound. Almost sounds like a suspended chord, but it, suspensions are different. And then a diminished chord, that's the really um, evil dungeon sounding chord. So we have root diminished fifth that's the that black sabbath awesome. i call that the black sabbath interval and, oh okay, uh, that's how yeah. i always it. and for the fifth i always think of if i'm trying to remember what the fifth sounds like it's that elevator music thing where it's like duh da 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 what i'm talking about like play that yeah. yep Perfect. That's, That's how I recognize the fifth. And then the other one I think of is the, the half step is the Jaws theme song. Okay. But a mi- but a minor second, right? Or or just a half step just away. Just a half step. Just okay. <laughs> just the root and a half step up. Right. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> this is me. This is me being a mostly tone deaf producer. <laughs> uh, this is how I remember intervals is from uh, 90s movie theme songs and uh, 80s metal no, bands. No, that's great. I remember when I was in college, I took a music class, and that was 
one of the things that they taught to remember intervals was think of your favorite songs and mm. uh, melodies that are associated with it. I think a, a really interesting one for, so let me go through the rest of the scale and then we'll talk more about that. But we were on the fifth, uh, which is the dominant. The next one is the sixth, which is called the submediant. And that also is associated with a major and minor chord. Like you can infer major and minor from the submediant, but it's not as important as the third uh, degree of the scale. Mm. And then the last one is the subtonic, which is the last note before we reach the octave and the scale starts again. And um, you'll have a very dissonant sound in the major chord because it's a half step away but uh it can be called the oh i'm sorry so the seventh degree of the scale is either called the subtonic if it's a dominant seventh like you have in a minor scale or it's called the leading tone if it's in a major scale so i'll play the difference so you can hear it this is a dominant seventh so we have a then that G is in a minor scale, but it is a whole step down from the root notes. In a major scale, we call that the leading tone because it's only a half step away from the root notes. So that sounds like this, root, leading tone. Very pretty in its own way, but it's also a little dissonant as well. Mm. So one of the... Um, one of the most easy ways to remember an octave is somewhere over the rainbow. Those first two notes, that's an octave. Um, I it. think that the NBC theme is root sixth fourth. Let's see if I'm right. NBC. Yeah. Root hmm. sixth fourth. So that's okay. a very unique one because it's hard to find melodies that, that take the root and the sixth into consideration. So if you always remember that NBC, you always know what a uh, sixth interval away from a root note is. That's a Love fun it. one. But you could do that with any of these skill degrees if you guys care enough to, to learn those on the fly. Um, awesome. So that was the major scale that we talked about. And we referenced the minor scale a little bit as well. Let me play a minor scale really quick. And we'll talk about the relation with the uh, the relationship that the minor scale has to the major scale. So let me play, and I have a reason for doing you this. Play, play but... the chord first. Okay. Play like play the seventh chords, just because I think back to back it's easier to to hear them. The seventh chords. Yeah. Right. I'm or triad doesn't matter either way. Oh, okay. Let's do. Uh, so we'll do a major triad. So this yep. is an A major triad. Beautiful. Now let's play an A minor triad. And only one note in that change is actually, it's the third degree of the scale, which I mentioned earlier determines if a, uh, if a scale or a chord is major or minor. What, what is a triad? So a triad is a three note chord Mm -hmm. Specifically, it's the root, the third, and the fifth, unless it's right. otherwise so notated. About these, 
we've been talking about these steps and which steps are in the major scale. So we're picking three of those steps, the one, the three, and the five. Yeah. Those are the triad. And you're saying between that, if we just change the three, all we need to change is the three to change mm -hmm. the chord from a major to a minor, right? Right. And if you notice about that, the interesting thing is, oh, so only one of those notes changes. It's interesting to think about dyads, which are two note chords, the most famous of which is the power chord, the root and the fifth. And the awesome thing about power chords is that that's neither major or minor. So that A power chord works no matter what the key is. It could be a major key, it could yes. be a minor key. And that's, that's right, like there's no three in it. Thing. Mm -hmm. And the one and the five don't change. And a power chord, like a three finger power chord, is the one, the five, and then the octave. Right. Right. So, yeah, there's no three in there, which is why it works for anything, which is one of the reasons why power chords are the ultimate chords. Yes. <laughs> yes. Especially, especially in rock music. Yes. So, yes. so what we're doing, what you're doing to the three, you have a one and a three and a five. What mm -hmm. you're doing to the three to go from major to minor is you're making the three into a flat three, right? right? So you're just taking the three and moving it down a half step or down one fret on a guitar. And then that takes you from a major tonality to a minor tonality. Right. Okay. The other, the other interesting way of thinking about this, and this will actually lead us into scales. So. I should have started with a C major. Let me play a C major skill for you. Sorry. Okay, C major scale. I'm going to mm. go down three half steps. And now I'm going to play an A minor scale. reason I did that is because the A minor scale is actually related to the C major scale because uh, the relative minor of a C major scale is an A minor scale. You're playing all the same notes that are in a C major scale, but you're just starting on the sixth note of that C major scale and playing all the notes in that key which gives you this pattern of a minor scale, and it sounds sad. Yeah, bizarre, isn't it? It is very bizarre. So another thing that we can call that is a mode. It's a mode of a, or it's a mode of a um, scale in a specific key. And all the modes really quick. I remembered all these from my memory i didn't have to look them up i was really proud about that but so let me see if i can play them really quick so you can get an ear for them as well but uh let's go in order so this is all in the key of c no sharps or flats c major scale which is also called the ionian scale you heard it before it sounds like this now if we play a scale if we play a c major scale but let's start on the second degree of the scale. Same notes, but now we're starting on the two instead of starting right. on the one. Okay. So if we play that, we get something that sounds like this. It's 
So it's kind of weird. It's like the first half is a minor scale and the second half is a is a major kind of scale. <laughs> and that's called the Dorian mode. D for Dorian. If we keep going up, let's start on the third degree of the scale and play a C major scale. This is the um, Phrygian scale. Same thing with the fourth degree, Lydian scale. Then we go up again. If we start on a G, that's the Mixolydian scale. Oops, sorry. That one's kind of a interesting scale in that it is a major scale, but instead of having the uh, major seventh, you have a dominant seventh, which is super popular in not only jazz music, but rock music. If you have a seventh chord, most often it's a, it's a dominant seventh instead of a major seventh. So um, that's a helpful skill to remember. Uh, sixth degree of the scale, we mentioned this before, this is a minor scale, also called the Aeolian scale. And that's its relationship to the major scale. There's only one more that's starting on the seventh degree, and this is called the Locrian scale. Oops, sorry. And that one is the very, um, You'll hear that in a lot of like really mean sounding metal because you have that. Uh, yeah, half I was going to say, if you want to challenge yourself, you can. Uh, it's got a lot of those half step intervals. You can yeah. try to write something in Mokrian mode. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit, there's a lot of dissonance there. Yeah. And it's a, it's definitely a leading skill because it sounds like it, it wants to go one half step up the whole time. And I'll prove it to you. If we if we go one half step up, we get to the next octave C and we have a C major scale again. So those are all the modes. And you might be asking me, Ben, that's very impressive that you could play them all and you and you knew all the names from memory. But, you know, how does that help me make better music? <laughs> so I first started learning these and I'm interested to hear your opinion, Vadim, as a guitar player mainly. But I started learning these on bass when I was in jazz band, because the cool thing yeah. is. If you're playing walking bass lines or really anything in general, writing a solo or you want to write a bass line and you know that you're on a G and the next chord is on an F. Well, now I, if I know all my modes, which are my scales in that C key, and I know that, oh, I'm on a G, that's the Mixolydian scale, then I can just play that pattern. I can play that same pattern and go down until I get to that next chord note, mm. if that makes sense. So that's a way that a bass player would think about using the modes is it's a way to get around the neck of the guitar, um, knowing the scale patterns and not having to think so much about, oh, is this is this next thing a half step or is it a whole step or or what notes are in this key? You can kind of think of it more in familiar patterns and use that as a way to get around your fretboard on your guitar or keyboard, whatever you might be playing. Anything to add to that, Vadim? Yeah. I'm curious to hear the guitar player's yeah, perspective. Yeah, I mean, my, 
very similar experience. I was when I first started taking guitar lessons, my my teacher is a my teacher was and is a phenomenal jazz player. And then I did play a little bit in jazz band as well. And it's a similar thing. You know, one of the things is like, how do you solo over a chord progression? Well, by knowing these modes and the and the steps involved, you think of it on a guitar neck, especially it's a pattern. Well, it is mm -hmm. on, on any instrument. But like you said, it's a shape or a pattern. Knowing those shapes or patterns and how to get from point A to point B, you can be a little more confident that you're going to play notes that won't cause anybody to look at you funny. And uh, right. <laughs> that's nobody ever let me solo in jazz band because it was uh, all <laughs> really snooty horn players. But I would play chords and it was the same type of thing. It's like, well, do I play a dominant chord or a major chord or whatever? And uh, also, if I want to throw in a little bit of a tension builder or something like that, knowing these modes and these shapes helps you kind of do that. But that we're talking about from an improvisational standpoint or kind of a playing live standpoint, I think the same type of thing applies when you're writing, right? These, yeah. The other thing you can do with these modes is they like the major, minor and the intervals we've talked about, they kind of have their own moods, right? Or their own mm -hmm. vibes. And so you can kind of make these types of decisions on like, oh, I'm going to try to write, I'm writing a sad song. I'm going to try to use a Dorian mode and you could look up the notes and look up the shapes and look up the mm -hmm. chords and try to kind of come up with something. And it's already going to give you almost like a template, right? Of like, yeah, it is a wistful song or a mm -hmm. wistful grouping of notes, right? Yeah. And depending on the genre you're playing, like some of the intervals in these modes are not going to play well with your chord progressions. Right. But, but with that being said, you're going to open up a lot more flavors of possibility, especially with mm -hmm. guitar solos and bass lines. If you know these modes rather than just kind of sticking to a simple pentatonic scale, which, which we'll I get do. to pentatonic <laughs> is very important. I play a lot of pentatonic, but that's kind of like the safe bet. And it comes across as, well, I don't want to even say amateur, but I'll say that, it can get boring. It can be overused. But if you throw in some of these modes, you can get some interesting half steps and intervals that are a little bit beyond or outside of just a simple pentatonic. And it can add some interesting, maybe creative dissonance to a song that you yes, and it also thought of before. It, it can be just like when we talk about production decisions or having a sound, you know, you can start to develop your sound as a player based on the little moves you make, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and if you, if you listen to like famous guitarists, they all have their pet tricks and their <clears throat> pet intervals and their pet tones. And this is how you start to develop that as opposed to just playing blue scales, the pentatonic blue yeah. scale, which again is what I do because <laughs> yes. it's safe and easy. <laughs> So let's talk about um, the pentatonic scale because I actually learned something that I didn't know about uh, the pentatonic scale when I was researching this mm -hmm. today. So pentatonic is, as its name implies, it's a five-note scale. And let's, let's uh, play it in C major pentatonic. So it includes the first, second, third, fifth, and sixth intervals. So it's skipping the fourth and the seventh. So we don't have, we don't have the intervals. Yes, exactly. Uh, but we have the first, second, third, 
fifth and seventh. And that's what this sounds like on uh, in C. So this is a C major pentatonic. So very simple. And I can play the octave too. Yeah. Um, so interesting enough, I always wondered about this because the minor pentatonic scale it appears as though you're playing different intervals, but in reality, it's just a, it's the minor mode of the major pentatonic scale. So it's the same exact notes, but in a minor pattern, if that makes sense. Yeah. What were we going to say, Vadim? I was going to say that that's exactly, if you look at these modes, this is again my my little because I I'm such a half-assed guitarist, <laughs> but this is what I would do if I'm if somebody says it's a it's a major like it's a C major, I know that mm -hmm. I can go up a whole step from C to D. I can play a D pentatonic and uh, and get by because the second step, the second mode is Dorian. That's kind of a minor mode. Pentatonic skips my hairy intervals. So yeah. you can get away with it uh, in that in that way. Yes, exactly. Let me play a minor pentatonic scale. I think that's correct. Yeah, that's like the most common scale used in rock music, <laughs> pretty much across the board. Mm -hmm. A uh, couple of other alternate uh, alternative scales that I'll use occasionally. Uh, harmonic minor is really interesting. I don't use it that much. Um, this is what it would be in A. So that one is literally, it's half minor and half major. So the first three notes, that's the pattern of a minor scale. Then you have perfect fourth, perfect fifth, and then... Uh, sixth, seventh, and octave. That's that's a major scale. So you're literally just combining minor and major together, and it's not. But it's not one of the other modes. It has an accidental in it. It doesn't fit in to the. Um, well, what would that be? Let me let me think about this real quick. It has an has an it has a G sharp in it, whereas the A minor scale has no sharps or flats. Mm. Right. Uh, other okay. Other ones are. Wait, what one did I say that was? Did I say melodic minor or did I say harmonic minor? Harmonic. <laughs> That's the melodic minor I just played. Melodic. I was wrong. Okay. That's the melodic minor. Yeah, the harmonic minor is a minor scale. Yeah, it's a minor scale all the way up to the sixth degree, and then it has a major seventh and an octave. So the only difference Ooh. is the sixth note of the interval. So let me play those Very back to back. Charmer. Yeah, I'll get even more snake charmer. Just, just wait. <laughs> so we have melodic minor once again, and harmonic minor. That's a fun one. There it is. Uh, 
And then mm. this is called the Egyptian scale. I think it has another like uh, more proper name for it, but it it it's appropriate for what it is because you're like, oh yeah, that's ha- that has that Middle Eastern vibe to it. So that one is you start on the root. It's a half step, major third, perfect fourth. And then that pattern repeats again on the fifth. It's fun. That's a cool one to put in there. And you can substitute, I think you can substitute those in those different minor scales. You could put them into a um, minor pentatonic progression. So instead of playing just like, a, noodling around in that pentatonic you can replace them with one of those melodic or harmonic minors and all of a sudden give your guitar solo or your bass playing like a interesting new flavor yeah and it's it, you don't have to like do a wholesale replacement you could be playing a pentatonic and like throw in a couple yeah of, throw in a lick from one of those scales and all of a sudden people will be like that's a cool cat you know they didn't yeah. expect <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of that Metallica song that starts with that guitar solo or the guitar lead that's I think that's probably like a melodic minor of some kind that's in there or it's or it's Locrian with the, all the half steps mode. So that's, you know, just giving you ideas for uh, how to think about Actually, I think, I think the modes it skills. Hammett famously is like Dorian through and through, isn't he? Is he? Solos. I think he plays a lot of Dorian. Interesting. But anyway, yeah, that's um, some cool ideas that you can play around with leads that will sound a little bit different. It's a nice mm-hmm. trick. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so the next thing I want to talk about today is kind of... Oh, okay, let's, let's talk about um, triads again. So we mentioned... Uh, major and minor triads. So if we want to do an A major, uh, A major triad, root, major third, fifth. Then we have the minor triad, root, minor third, fifth. There's also two other common uh, triad chords. Minor triad. Diminished. All I did was lower the fifth there go back up to that yeah there we go yeah so this is back to the minor triad now if i raise the third it's a major triad oh sorry oh it's happy all of a sudden (laughs) and then we could do yeah then we could do the augmented fifth which is kind of more metal (laughs) that could be metal yeah yeah it could be it's it's inquisitive. I think of like, oh, I'm asking a question. <laughs> Augmented. It's funny how these like have associations with them. Yeah. Like feelings. Yeah. I don't know where that comes from. Is it built into humanity or is it something we pick up from uh, listening to music? I remember my my guitar teacher had me do where we were playing like low Korean or something like that, and we did it for like. 20 minutes i don't know he was playing a progression and i was trying to like just play notes that are in locrian mode which again as mm-hmm. we said is super dissonant and his point was and it totally was true after 20 minutes 
I was used to it. And I was like, this sounds completely normal. And then a major scale right after that is like a shock to the system. It's kind of oh, like, interesting. Um, going into a room that smells a little bit funny, but like 15 minutes later, you don't notice it anymore. Somebody yeah. else walks in, they're like, this room smells funny. And you're like, really? I had no idea. So, so when you I say, believe like, that, is things, are we, are we, is this like, are we born with it? I don't think so. I think it's just by nature of all the music we hear. Like, I think if you came down from Mars today, you're an alien and we all we played you was like the Locrian mode and we were like this is music you'd be like cool this is music and then like a major scale would sound really dissonant to you i think <laughs> yeah well there is i think you might be onto something because there is some dissonance in a major scale you have that half step from the seventh to the root so that is a dissonant uh, interval so yeah it's just all how you look at it cool um so yeah, let's talk about some chord types now. This is this is kind of to me the most interesting of music theory and you know what to what to do with it, getting into to chords and knowing how to build them. Or at least this this really helps me a lot on guitar because I don't know. I think when I first especially started learning acoustic guitar, I think I bought a poster that had like 20 guitar different guitar chords on it. And I remember feeling overwhelmed as in like, man, I've got to memorize all of these and these aren't even all of the guitar chords. So that's like a very overwhelming way of thinking about it, even though memorizing some chords is obviously helpful. And we all know like a major G chord shape. We can all play that. We know that from memory if we're guitar players. Um, but the really helpful thing to know theory is that any chord that you see, whether it's in sheet music and it's written out or it's chord symbols you can figure out how to play that chord because you know the relationships of the scales and the different intervals so that to me is where music theory is super helpful when it comes to learning new chords knowing how to build things and just kind of looking okay cool so we're going to finish up today by talking about chord symbols if you're familiar with this uh you can have written music notation uh, in sheet music, but a simpler and a more helpful way of, of describing what a chord is is by using letter symbols. So uh, it's very simple. Uh, we talked about the triads before. So a major triad would just simply be the letter name of the chord and no other notation or symbols after it. So if you just see an A, that implies a major triad and that's what you would play or you could play you know the actual guitar chord a major it's not just a it's not just a triad that you could play in that situation you could play an a major chord but that's what it that's what it implies triad three mm -hmm. notes uh like we said before i'm kind of getting off my notes a little bit but you could also play a dyad power chord an a and A5 there because it's neither major nor minor. It fits. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, some other notations that you'll see are, or most common ones is A and then min, you'll see written after it. And that means A minor. And so if you remember from earlier, all we need to do is change that third degree of the scale of the triad. We have an A minor. And I think in the guitar chord, that's all that you change as well. You just lower the third. 
Now, that's not the only A minor chord you could play, but that is the most common one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually. Now you can probably hear it better. My bad. The chords get more and more complicated, and I'll just go over some different ones here that I've, I found interesting, and then maybe, Vadim, you could throw in your two cents or maybe talk about any that I miss. But a general rule of thumb I have is that if you see a chord symbol and it has a number after it, so you'll see something like A2, A9, something like that. My rule of thumb is... Uh, if the if the number that comes after that chord is lower than the first octave, so number seven and below, it's implied that the major or minor third is omitted from playing that chord uh, to emphasize the degree number of the scale that it's uh, that it's notating by that number that comes after the chord. So A7 is kind of uh, an exemption to that because you would most likely play the third along with that. But um, this isn't a hard, hard, fast rule. But I think of that whenever it comes to saying like uh, an A2 chord. That kind of implies that you wouldn't play the third. You're just going to play probably root, second degree, and fifth. So let's see if I could play that on my guitar. That would be... Because if you added that third in there, and I don't even think that I could do that on a on a guitar, you would have uh, clashing notes right next to each other. It would just be too many, um, too too much clashing, uh, and that's differentiated from if you see a number that's above the octave of the scale or the eighth degree. So if you saw an A nine, that kind of implies that well you the the ninth degree of the scale is actually the second it's just an octave up so what it's implying is that you're adding that second degree of whatever scale you're playing on top of your major or minor chord so if you saw something that said a9 that means play an a major triad and then add a b which is the second degree of the scale on top of your triad so that would be and then yeah oh can't reach it there ah actually i can get it sorry so that would be like uh an a9 chord so that's kind of my that's my rule that i've kind of developed from just seeing chords and 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 interacting with them in the wild but that's not a hard fast rule so don't don't hold me to that so a couple other interesting things that are definitely useful suspension chords are very cool so you'll see this written as let's say a, a d suspension would be d sus 2 or d sus 4 so if we have a d chord we just take that major third, so it's a D major chord. If we take that third degree of the scale and we raise it to the fourth, that's a D sus four. And that kind of has that 
suspended feeling in air. You know, I'm free falling type of thing. <laughs> yeah. And it implies that, oh, that just wants to resolve back to the major chord. But you could also have, if you um, lower the third degree of the scale and play the second, you get kind of another pretty um, open chord sound. I like to use that on acoustic guitar a lot where I'll play I'll play an A sus2 chord instead of an A my um, an A major chord at times that just kind of gives a different flavor for clean sheet compositions and, and this is what I would encourage people to to maybe take away from this episode it can be fun to pick one of these let's say modes or chords or whatever and just tell yourself you're going to write a riff in mm -hmm. Lydian mode. Look up what they are, you know, not expecting anybody to remember them, although you, you certainly <laughs> can if you if you practice them. But look up what they are, find the shape on your instrument, whether it's piano or guitar, and try to just write a riff in that using those notes. And you will quickly start to understand like what kind of vibe goes with those and yeah. that can be something in your wheelhouse but also it's it's a cool way to like write something different like we've talked in the past about tuning a guitar mm -hmm. into a different tuning and how that lets you just come up with stuff you may have not thought of otherwise this is the same type of like brain yeah. jarring exercise for me a lot of times I, I used to know this stuff better than i know it now a lot of it is no longer intuitive or second nature to me but i will occasionally dust some of the stuff off and be like i'm going to challenge myself write a song and then in doing so you come up with some interesting ideas and you learn the feel mm -hmm. yeah i completely 100 percent. how about you how, how do you use this stuff one thing that i love to do and was kind of inspired by the red hot chili peppers album by the way which i actually have the guitar chord book for that album because uh in on that album john frusciante a lot of the songs are super simple as far as chord progression wise and chords, but instead of playing the traditional chord shapes, he came up with all of these weird thumb chords and different inversions or ways of playing them. And I love it because it's just an interesting flavor on an otherwise basic or simple progression. And mm. so I love doing that for guitar, especially since I'm not a guitar player. I'll think, okay, so I have like a diminished chord here or a major seventh chord. How can I play that on my guitar in a way that feels right and natural or maybe adds an interesting voicing to it? So that's whenever I'll break out the theory knowledge and think of how can I shape this guitar chord in a different way? The other mm. situation that I'll Got use it. is yeah, like cool. for vocals. If I write a simple vocal melody, and I know what key the song is in, and I know my modes really well, I can play around with either auto-tuning my vocals so that they're like right on pitch, and then chopping up each of those notes and shifting the pitches around uh, mm. to be within the key. And so sometimes doing those kind of exercises, you can come up with melodies that you wouldn't naturally uh, they wouldn't naturally come to you just singing because sometimes, especially if you're not a vocalist like me, uh, if it doesn't come naturally to you, sometimes you can get stuck into very simple, boring 
melodies. So a way to jar that up is to kind of leverage some of the mode and theory knowledge and come up with maybe more intricate or uh, different intervals that you wouldn't naturally sing. And so I like just shifting them around and then hearing what that sounds like and then trying to replicate that back, if that makes sense. Yeah. Thank you for bearing with me on this theory <laughs> journey. I know it's been, it hasn't been the smoothest because I'm not a music teacher, but it's fun to learn about this <laughs> stuff and, and, and share my knowledge with all of you. And I know that I don't know everything. And there's probably people listening that are like, wow, that guy is very amateur, but <laughs> it's been fun. Yeah. I mean, look, this is a, a deep topic. People spend years studying this stuff and yes. It's importantly not a prerequisite for recording or writing music. There's mm -hmm. plenty of famous songwriters that, that don't know any of this stuff, but it helps to know it, you know, just like it helps to understand what an EQ does and how to use it. You don't have to be an expert, but it helps to understand the basics. So I think this is another one of those tools. And if you're like me, you don't have to use the precision screwdriver. You can just use the pentatonic hammer and just hammer smash your way with power chords and pentatonic scales <laughs> through through any live situations you find yourself in that's uh that's definitely been my mo <laughs> yes we've all been there we've all been there man yeah well thanks for the overview and i think it was a nice um a nice overview and i hopefully people aren't as intimidated by some of these notations we talked about some of these chords a lot of the stuff I feel mm -hmm. like is needlessly complicated. Like there's a lot of names that sound very intimidating, uh, but they're not, <laughs> you know, like the second degree of a scale is, what is it? I don't remember. <laughs> Supertonic, super right? Yeah. It's like, that sounds really intimidating. That sounds like yeah. something out of a science fiction movie. Like I'm using my supertonic drive to fly <laughs> at 80% of light speed. Like, no, okay. It's just the two. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. So I agree uh, don't with you be there. intimidated by this stuff. There's uh it's, it's not as big a barrier to entry as you might think. So thank you, Ben, no, for the I... for the demystification. And thank you guys for for listening. If you haven't, I haven't reminded you in a while, but kindly leave us a review. That always makes us feel yes. good. Helps other people find our podcast. And if you haven't been checking out uh, recent episodes are available on YouTube as well. So there's a video component. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's work out at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.